and welcome back to the Monday Morning Faith Podcast. My name is Emily, and today we're going to be doing something a little bit different. I don't typically get personal, like overly personal on here, um, but today I'm going to because I want to show you guys a new method I'm using right now called the STAR method. It's similar to like the SOAP method, if you've ever heard of that, but it's just a way to study God's word and apply it heavily to your life to really tie it into what you're exactly going through or to let God reveal things to you um, that may be hidden and you're having difficulties uh, uncovering or working through. And so, yeah, it's a really great study method. Um, It's called STAR, Scripture Thoughts Application Response. I'll say that slower. Scripture Thoughts Application Response. And um, I'm using it right now to study the book of James. And um, my morning routine's bouncing around a little bit right now because I'm doing James um, with the star method. I'm doing Jeremiah just with commentary. And um, I'm reading a personal book right now. And I actually did all three back to back today. And sometimes um, when we expose ourselves to lots of sources of God's word, um, whether it be prayer or psalm or... um, reading books for fun or um or the bible anything like that when we're exposing ourselves to god word we can expect to hear from him especially if we ask if we say god please reveal to me um things i'm trying to understand god please show me your will god please lead me and teach me he will definitely reveal things to us and um it's yeah it's pretty funny today because in my three steps i had a lot of overlap like an extreme amount of overlap And so I want to share with you what I worked through this morning and um, also, yeah, talk about the STAR method um, a little bit and just how easy it is to do. And you can do it in like two to ten minutes, like if you wanted to do it quickly or you can slow it down and do it in like half an hour. So it's kind of like a great morning thing or right before bed as well. Um, And it's definitely a good way to slow it down and make reading and God's word, not so abstract, but really, yeah, personalized and really help start a dialogue with God regarding it. So let's start off in James and then I'll get to how I connected it, or I should say how God connected the other two areas I was in today as well. So in James, I was reading James 1 to 3 today. And so uh, with the star method, scriptures first. So uh, with whatever passage you select, you basically just write down whatever your favorite thoughts would be. So you need a journal for this. I mean, you could do it just out loud, but I think writing this down is way better to refer back to. Um, Not a lot of writing either. Like I said, it's kind of a short task or medium-sized task, depending on how long you want to spend on it. But um, when it comes to the scripture, you just write down whatever your favorite parts were. So I'll read you mine. From verse one, my favorite part was James, a servant. And then from verse two, my favorite part was the whole thing. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. And then the third verse, my favorite part was, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Um, so then you can see it and refer back to it while you're writing. But also, I like to have my Bible out at the same time, just in case I wanted to go back to anything I might have missed. Then T, the T in star stands for thoughts. So um, James is the half-brother of Jesus, yet he introduces himself as his brother's servant. And um, those of us with siblings um, can probably think to the fact that it's not like overly enjoyable to think of um, calling yourself your sibling's servant 
obviously this is different because we're talking about Jesus here. Um, but yeah, so James was a half-brother of Jesus, um, but it's really humbling. And um, we know from the text that um, James, Jesus' half-brother, because there was a few different James um, in the group, but um, the half-brother of Jesus didn't really um, overly believe or support the ministry while Jesus was alive. But afterwards, he became a very prominent figure of the early Christian church and spearheading that movement. So, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting that he starts a letter off by saying he's his servant. And a servant is to be like a slave. And honestly, when we hear those words, um, I used to kind of freak out and be like, oh my gosh, that sounds racist. And like, um, I feel like that lacks cultural context of, you know, the 21st century. But I've come to realize that um, if you look at the word servant or slave in a biblical context, we're not talking about... um, abuse we're talking about relinquishing personal freedom actually in those days a lot of people chose to sell themselves into slavery because it would mean uh security um so people would choose to to be slaves um not saying that it's not awful of course (laughs) but um the idea that the bible supports slavery is wrong it took an existing system and um provided regulations for the protection of slaves but when we talk about being a slave of Christ, a servant of Christ, um, we're talking about relinquishing our personal freedom. You can think of the passage, Luke 9, 23, when it says, um, Jesus says, whoever wants to follow me must pick up their cross and die to themselves daily. That's the kind of servanthood we're talking about. It's about dying to yourself and your own needs and desires, killing off the flesh and living by spirit, which sounds terrible and miserable, but it's not, I promise. The closer and closer I get to servanthood for Christ, the more and more my life gets better and I have more joy, more peace, more fruits of the spirit, more um, contentment in life. And so it sounds miserable to, to relinquish your own desires for the good of God and others, but the more we do it, the more joy we get. And so I'd like to encourage you on that note. Um, and then from the text, it says, yeah, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of any kind. Um, I think the word whenever is important because it shows that trials are inevitable. Um, It doesn't say when or if you, it's whenever. So we can see it's like, yeah, it's inevitable. They're going to happen. And as part of the human experience, all humans can testify to that. Um, But he's also saying that um, many kinds of trials um, are going to occur. So various forms and it's not going to be the same every time and it's part of the learning process and how God shapes us for sure but um, joy is applicable to all of them based on the text consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds so no matter the trial even the worst unimaginably awful things we can expect to find joy in it if we are willing to extend ourselves to God and open up ourselves and that can be a difficult and painful process it's like you know, when you're shucking corn and you got to pry back the corn shuck, like the green part, <laughs> it's like, it can be a little like difficult to pry it off at first, but, um, the difficulty is obviously well rewarded with the sweet taste of a fresh cob of corn. So, um, that's kind of like us and our, our trials, right? Um, if we are willing to peel back those uncomfortable, tightly bound layers, we're going to get a really good fruit and a really good product out of it. Um, that would be well worth it. And that's kind of what 
um, he talks about verse 3 when it says, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We always need perseverance in all situations um, that we consider to be trials. Perseverance is what keeps us going. It's what motivates us. Uh, it's what keeps us going when we have nothing left in the tank. Um, so the testing of the faith, it, it's not fun. We all know that. We've been there. We've had those moments. But it does produce perseverance. And why is that important? Well, I think a proven faith is good for this life and the one to come. That's not to say a perfect faith. We all fall short of the gospel. No one has a perfect faith. Um, however, we ought to look at trials with joy because it's just when we get through a trial and it produces perseverance and it reveals the faith we had and it keeps it in check and in line and it helps us grow in those areas like I said it's good for this life and the one to come because in this life it means that we can get through hard things it shows us that we it builds a self-efficacy which is the belief that we can get through things but it's important to note the difference between self-efficacy and a biblical version of that self-efficacy is yeah the belief that you have abilities to overcome things However, from a Christian perspective, we look at self-efficacy as um, God being tandem with that, us in that process. So um, we're able to do things through God, and it's by God that we have self-efficacy. But that kind of defeats the word of the word self-efficacy. It'd be like more like Lord and I efficacy, or like Jesus and me efficacy, <laughs> which is not popular. But um, anyways, I think that's kind of remarkable. Um, for application is the A in star. So we have scripture, thoughts, and now application. Um, after reading this text, I was reflect. you reflect at this point. So scripture, like I said, you just write out the parts you think. Thoughts, obviously, you just kind of write whatever comes to your mind. Um, or like anything God's putting like on your heart. Um, and then application, I said, I want to be a joyful person and allow, stop allowing circumstances and discontentment to steal joy from me need to start being and seeing joy in the refining processes. Because, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that walk into a room and they're so joyful, it lights it up. I've never been that person. I'm definitely more stoic and, um, yeah, either more emotionless or more negatively uh, tending with emotions. So um, I definitely do aspire to be the kind of person that's always smiling and um, just abounding in joy. Um and that being a mark of the Lord in my life, I would really like to work on that personally. So that's why I wrote that down. And then um, I said, I also want to be more of a servant, less controlling, more submitting, um, die to self in trials. Um, like we were saying there with the Luke 9 about dying to oneself. Um, that's how we get through trials um, is surrendering uh, fully everything we have and not controlling, not trying to take self-control and we'll see in Jeremiah when I jump to that in a little bit just how crazy that tied in with this notion today and then yeah more submitting more willing to do the uncomfortable things which is funny because once again that ties in really well with the other part of what I read today which is crazy when God aligns things to show us um, with clarity what he wants from us or areas that he wants us to keep in mind and then we see um I wrote kind of what I felt like the spirit was leading to me. And so the 
application process is you kind of just write how you're like personally feeling about it and then kind of like asking God to to reveal things to you and to come alongside you and yeah to just declare to God what you know what you're looking for hoping for what you want and just seeing like where he leads you and so I felt like God was telling me to give up give up knowing what's best what's and about being right and give up the aspect of self-control and expectations when I say self-control I don't mean like the fruit of the spirit self-control which we're all supposed to have as Christians and you know even non-Christians it's it's important to have self-control by all means and let that grow as we grow with God but when it comes to um this type of control I mean like me trying to control situations me trying to force my will because I'm scared that God's will isn't going to be better than my own that I can design a better life and a better plan in my head than he could provide for me so I need to let go of that. And I feel like God's saying that to me. And it's like, I feel like he was telling me that was my path to joy. Um, I also felt like he was saying father knows best, which is kind of like an old school saying. But like, I felt like he was trying to say that, which is funny. Um, and I felt like he was saying that because it's going to make trials easier. When you give up control and trying to fix things yourself and you allow God and invite God into those trials, it's going to make it easier. And then I also felt like he was saying, lean not on your own understanding or the world's understanding. Um, and like to rely on our relationship, just me and him to get through it. And that's a good word for a lot of people out there. For oh, I would argue everyone. Because um, yeah, to not lean on others um, for certain things. It's not to say don't get help with things and don't turn to others. But, like, let the Lord be the ultimate person you turn to, is what I'm saying. Um, because the Lord's understanding will be ultimately greater than anyone, any humans. So, um, we ought to seek him. And then, definitely seek um, wise elders and um, mature people in the faith to help us sort things out as well, of course. But I think I'm trying to work on personally, first and foremost, turning to God before turning to others prioritizing him and allowing him to work instead of yeah self-control like oh I can fix this if I just talk to so-and-so or I can fix this if I do this um but turning to him first because I'm only human and my ways fall flat but his ways are steady his ways are eternal um and they're divine right it's crazy to think about just how divine his plans are because we only see glimpses and we see like awfulness of a fallen world and it's so discouraging sometimes what happens in our own lives and the world around us just looking at it. It's very discouraging. It doesn't feel like the plans for us are divine, but they are. And we have to hold closely to us the reminders in our lives that God's placed of his closeness, of his faithfulness, of his merciful love, and remind ourselves of those frequently in trials. Um, and that's also something that produces joy in trials. Um, and then I also felt like I've been avoiding, I feel like I haven't been having faith in God over my future career path because it's a little bit far out and it's very much out of my control because I need to get into a certain program, but it's been very stressful. Um, and so because it was stressful, I, I gave it up. And so rather than having hope and trust in God, I've just been kind of not being excited, not being just, I've been very neutral. I, I've kind of put it off and um I felt like God was telling me I'm avoiding hope to protect and avoid the perseverance that comes with this trial 
and like to like if this trial this waiting period i'm supposed to use like james is saying here to test the faith and produce perseverance it's like well if i walk away from the trial mentally if i'm not allowing myself to have faith that god will prevail and his will will be good in the situation then i'm not gaining then i'm relinquishing faith entirely and it's not producing perseverance in my faith in him and i'm not allowing him to be part of that i'm excluding him from that and like with our worldly relationships there's going to be things we exclude people from things we don't let others into but we shouldn't do that with god ever we should let him into everything and so um i felt like god was saying like to stop avoiding it and to not be scared which also ties into something i read in the book that we're going to talk about a bit later um and then R is response. So just responding to what we feel like God was telling us, what scripture was telling us. Yeah, just responding back to it. Um, like, like exactly the whole point of this is to um, take what is just a 2D scripture on a Bible page and turn it into a dialogue with God um, and allow God to teach us and refine us and encourage us and speak hope and lessons into our lives. So I responded. I said, I'm scared to get my hopes up about the program and my future career. Um, I, I don't enjoy continually being tested because that's just how I honestly feel. And I said, please help me with um, my last semester in my current program. And then help me know your will and plans are better than mine. So I turned it into a prayer. So part of the response is um, writing down a prayer that makes sense. Um, if you can hear the sirens in the background, something I do um, that my mom always taught me to do. Sorry, this is going to be an interlude. I'll make it quick. Something my mom always taught me to do when we hear sirens is, since I was a kid, we've been doing this, is to pray um, for the first responders, the um, the people in need, and then the loved ones of those. So I'm quickly actually going to pray for that ambulance I just heard go by my house. And sorry if you had to hear that. But dear Lord, I just pray right now for the first responders. Um, and I ask that you give them your wisdom and understanding and knowledge of the situation at hand and for the person in need that you would um, provide them healing and safety right now, God, um, and that you would touch their lives. And for their friends and family, God, that you just produce comfort and calmness that only you can provide in this situation. And I just speak that over those people. In the Lord's name I pray, amen. So actually, that's kind of a fun habit. It's a little bonus to today. I um, think it's honestly like such an awesome thing to do. I can't even begin to imagine how many ambulances I've prayed over but I do have to say that if my family was ever in an ambulance I would most certainly hope that there might be someone out there who saw the ambulance and prayed and it honestly takes literally one minute to do and I will actually stop myself in the middle of like pretty much every activity like to pray <laughs> over that because it's just like a habit I have since I was a kid and I honestly think we're called to pray for others and pray for our world. It's not just our families we, and friends we pray for. It's, it's We're called to pray for the world and, and be light and salt in the world. And um, yeah, a 60-second prayer is a cool way to to introduce that into your life and, and to just have compassion for others. And when we um, get compassion, we give compassion. And um, God's given us compassion, so we're able to extend that onto the world. Um, anyways, back to the scripture. Sorry about my little break there, but, um, yeah, so I, for the response, it's like prayer and whatever you're feeling like you want to respond to God with. Um, so I was just being honest and saying, yeah, I'm a little worried and I don't like 
the continual trials, but that's just me being honest. Who does like the trials anyways? Um, but that's a point. You're supposed to have joy in them, so that's something I'm really trying to work on. Because um, it's not natural to have joy, but with our faith, with the faith and perseverance we get with God, then we can have joy. Um, and I said, please help me be more joyful and help me fully know your will and that your plans are better than mine. And that's that control aspect I'm trying to um, relinquish. And then I said, help me trade control for joy and worldly knowledge for a blind trust and servanthood in you. Because I'm working on that. That is something I'm trying so hard. I feel like I'm always trying to make myself more and more comfortable. I don't know. It's maybe, like I said, I don't usually share this much personal stuff, but like it is something I'm trying to work on is um, giving it up to God is the idea of comfort. That my comfort being king if something makes me uncomfortable, I'm probably not going to do it unless it would have a high reward potential afterwards. And that's something I'm trying to stop doing, that I'd be willing to go blindly with God wherever he puts me, um, no matter how uncomfortable it makes me. And so I'm working on that. And that's why I was praying about it. And I felt like it's a good idea to share that with you guys, even encourage some of you to get honest with God today about what you need from him and you know where we're looking to grow. Those aren't negative things either. It's like, good. It's better to identify it and write it out and um, and bring it to God than it is to push it down and avoid it like I have been, which is what God basically told me today. But, um, And also, like, it's not like when I say God told me, it's like it's not like I'm hearing like a booming voice from heaven, although I definitely believe that he does speak like that sometimes to some people. Um, I don't know why there's no formula for it, but um, I certainly feel as though, yeah, when... There's like certain thoughts I have that I do feel like are from God because I don't think I would have the intelligence to produce them. Um, <laughs> and I think you know in your heart too when the Spirit's talking to you and um, we know the Spirit's physically sensed as well. Um, so yeah, there are little keys, but um, that's besides the point. But I did want to quickly address that a little bit and I can also do a, a podcast about the Spirit at some point because um, that might be helpful. I'm not sure. Let me know if you want. If you want to reach out and tell me if that would be helpful, certainly do that if you'd like. And then I also felt like God was saying, get excited about where you're going now or you'll be robbed of your joy when it finally comes. And I was like, I don't like getting, like this is why I've been avoiding any kind of hope or faith in God about the program or career because it's like, I feel like when I get my hopes up, I get so disappointed and to prevent myself from having a big fall or a big hurt, I stay in the neutral ground and I don't allow myself to have faith in God or be excited about anything. And that's probably why I'm not very joyful as a person. But once again, working on it. Or like, I'm more, it's not that I'm not a joyful person. I'm just not, it's not a constant in my life. Um, But I'm looking to make it one um, through God. But yeah, I think it's a good idea. And it's a good word that God gave, which is to, yeah, get excited about where you're going now. Or you'll be robbed of the joy when it finally comes. Um, so that's a good word. I'm not going to over explain that. I'll just let it speak to you the way it's meant to. Um, but so that's what I was reading in James today. And then funny enough, I, um, bounced it back to Jeremiah, um, 42. Cause that's just where I am. Like th- that wasn't predetermined, but I thought it was so funny cause I'll just quickly summarize the story. So basically there's a bunch of officials in the land. And so the, Babylonians have come and they've taken over 
Judea and Jerusalem. So they've, everyone's fleed. All the Jews have fleed and including Jeremiah. I mean, the yeah, book of Jeremiah is centered around sort of Jeremiah, but um, I mean, he's a key figure in the, in the book. So Jeremiah is now also fleed. So everyone's out of the land and they're under the control of the Babylonians. And then basically a bunch of people um, come up to Jeremiah, all these officials and leaders of all these different clans or like, I don't know, the stuff like that, all these different groups of people um, who don't really, or I should say, don't really at all really respect the Lord too much, but like a little bit, but like they're not, I don't, wouldn't say they're close to the Lord overly, but based on the text, and that's definitely what commentary agrees with as well. So essentially, um, this group of people approaches Jeremiah and they're like, hey, like, can you pray for us? But like, it wasn't a very sincere prayer because they're saying the Lord, your God. And commentary also agrees with the fact that they weren't being sincere. And we see that later on. Then they make a promise. And we know from the gospel that God says, um, Jesus said, you don't need to say, um, you don't need to swear by an oath or swear by my name. All you simply need to say is yes or no. So we're not really supposed to swear like, to, like on anything. Like, and I shouldn't say really, like, from my understanding, based on that text in the gospel, that Jesus has said not to swear on his name or make an oath, like, um, with stuff like that, like a, like, you know, like a, like, don't swear on your life or anything like that. Um, all you simply need to say is yes or no. So that's like the new covenant, but we're in the old Testament in Jeremiah. So that's not really in place yet, but these people, um, basically made a promise anyways, um, and, but it wasn't like they were actually going to follow through with it. And I'll get more in depth in a sec, but I want to give you the overview of it. So they make a promise. They don't fulfill the promise because it wasn't genuine to begin with. They just wanted the Lord's blessings and like they weren't like they didn't care about God. They just wanted his blessings. Um, so that's selfish. <laughs> then they were determined to go their own way. So they did. Yeah, they didn't follow through with what they promised. And then God's like, guys, what the heck? So now they're punished because God said they would be if they did that. So you think they would uh, listen to that warning, but they didn't. So essentially, I'll get more into detail here now that you know the overview. So how this overlaps with what I was reading and talking about just a second ago in James is that um, the scripture said in uh, Jeremiah 42 verse 3, it says, Pray that the Lord your God will tell us where we should go and what we should do. It's a fantastic prayer. It's a brilliant prayer, except for the your God thing. It's like, um, pray to the Lord. Like, you just leave it at pray to the Lord, um, right? Pray to the Lord that you'll tell us where we should go and what we should do. And that kind of felt like, you know, tied to what I was talking about with my school program and um, just, like, being, like, doing servanthood with Christ, um, being a servant of Christ and all that. It's like, God... And then surrendering control is what it tied into as well. So, God, will you just show us where to go, what to do, and help us surrender control? It's a great prayer. And I was actually pretty like, whoa, that's crazy that I had, like saw that like right after um, I read that. And then it says in verse 6, the promise they made is that whether it is favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord our God. Because they were asking Jeremiah for a word. And then, yeah, the word told them not to go somewhere but because they yeah the word said don't go but if you stay in the land you'll be blessed and so they left so they were not blessed but they said whether it's unfavorable or favorable will obey but they didn't obey they left and so 
um, I think, yeah, that's also a part of servanthood and relinquishing control. It's like, whether it's favorable or unfavorable, we will obey the Lord or God. Why? Because at the end of the day, it's not technically unfavorable. Like, something surface level that God is presenting us with, if it's from the Lord, um, it will always be a good thing. If it's not from the Lord, well, it could be good, neutral, or bad. But we know for sure that all things from God are good. Um, uh, there's like a thousand scriptures that say that. Um, but yeah, whether it's favorable or unfavorable. And the reason we see things like that as unfavorable is because our perspective is so limited. Um, like even, yeah, the idea of me not getting to the program, for me, that feels unfavorable, which is why I'm avoiding faith in it. Um, but it's like, well, if God doesn't put me in that program, it's because he has something better for me that I can't see. Um, so I thought that was really special too. Just also like I put that into my phone and my cue cards as well. If you didn't know, I, we have a Monday morning faith podcast website, uh, through Weebly. So you can search that up or it's also in the link in bio and yeah, we have, um, a website and I've got cue cards and, uh, wallpapers and bible studies and discussions all of it's free so definitely check it out and but i was just saying i added that to the scripture the scripture card collection um because if you're looking to memorize uh some short or longer verses um to encourage you throughout your day it's good to like remember that because if god's trying to send you somewhere and you're a little bit worried about it and you know it's from god you can say to yourself well whether it's favorable or unfavorable we'll obey the lord and that might encourage you. So um, I've got lots of encouraging uh, scripture on those flashcards for you um, if you'd like to check it out. But yeah, I did add that one because I was like, whew, that is good. Um, later, I just love, it's very repetitive in the Old Testament how many times the Lord says, do not be afraid, I'm with you and I'll deliver you. I'm your fortress, fortress and your refuge. And it gets very repetitive and I think we can look it over without soaking it up. But if we look at this part later in um, Jeremiah 42, so this is like after they've made this promise, hey, God, what's favorable, unfavorable? Um, like, we'll do what you say, Lord, we'll obey you. And the Lord is raining compassion and love and mercy down as he does. Like, this is our God, right? He's loving and merciful and kind. And so he says to them, like, if they were to go through with things, he says, do not be afraid. Like, if they listen to him and stay in the land, He says, do not be afraid, declares the Lord, for I am with you and will save you and deliver you. How beautiful is that? Like, I love just reading for I am with you. Like, what a good reminder throughout your day. Scary situations, anxiety producing situations, depressing situations, for I am with you. It's like we have to picture Jesus with us in every situation because if we don't, the enemy will use our thoughts to convince us otherwise, always. And so we... a good reminder and that's why like it can be as repetitive as it wants i'll always love it and probably highlight the crap out of it but anyways and then later in verse 12 it says i will show you compassion so that they will have compassion on you and that tied into a book i was reading recently called the grip of grace by max lucato really good book by the way totally recommend it and um, it was talking about how because God gives us grace, we can give others grace. So that reminded me of that because God right now is saying, I will show you compassion so that others will show you compassion. And it's true because that's how it works. God gives compassion. We get to give compassion to others. God 
um, gives us forgiveness, we get to give forgiveness to others. Because once we receive the Lord's compassion, forgiveness, grace, mercy, now we know what that looks like and we can give that to others. And that's like a true call of a Christian life is to is to model Christ-centered living. And that is beyond rules and laws. That's um, traits. The character of God is what we're also supposed to reflect. So when you, we have the opportunity to be the light of the world and to shine um, God's character into a room, we ought to take it. And that happens more than we think. Every day at work and school and wherever we go um, throughout our days, um, there, it's just one big opportunity to show God's character the best we can. I think I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago, but uh, it's a good quote because it says, sometimes you're the only Bible someone's ever going to read. You're the only interaction with God that person might ever have in their life. And that doesn't mean we have to like thunk them over the head with some scripture or a Bible. But what it does mean is we have a beautiful opportunity to model as close as we can the love that God's given us, the grace, the mercy, compassion, all these things. We get to model that to others so that they might have a taste of God through us. And like, whew, that's just so beautiful. I love it. But anyways, back to the scripture in chapter 42. Sadly, the people in the land do not listen. They were determined to go their own way. How often are we? Just like I was saying in James, I was struggling to relinquish control. That's a big struggle of mine. And um, in light of that, um, yeah, it's not good to... We see consequences when we try and live out our our lives according to our will and our way. When we don't submit to God because we're scared, it, once again, it's not going to be favorable. Um, something worth praying over, for sure. God, show me, show me the favor where I see no favor. Show me the hope when I see no hope. Show me my faith when I see no faith. Um, just show me your love, God, in the middle of the storm. That's a good prayer right there, too. Um, something doesn't have to be a prayer. A prayer can be anything. A prayer doesn't have to be a giant poem and, you know, poetry. Um, a prayer can be a a word. A prayer can be a short sentence. A prayer can be anything that you want to tell God. It can be, it doesn't have to be a request even. You can just, yeah, simply say, um, God, I love you. Like, that's good enough. That, like, I think people always look at it from a worldly perspective and we're all guilty of this because we're so ingrained in the world that we can't see the kingdom to come. And we don't see just how valuable it is to tell God how we're actually feeling, what we're actually thinking. And it doesn't have to be good enough. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. And it's about God. And it's about um, having that relationship that is life-breathing, life-giving, life-saving. It's like God, when he formed man, breathed the life into Adam. It's like, yeah, we need that breath of God every day. I don't know how anyone can manage going through this world with all the crime and all the illness and all the pain and suffering. I don't know how anyone could go through this world without the breath of God in their life. And I think we fear the work that would come with that. But putting on a podcast, listening to a song, reading for two minutes before bedtime, you just got to let it come to us, right? But we have to work for it too. Because yes, God can speak to anyone at any time but we have to seek we have to seek with all our hearts but it's a promise it is a promise that when we seek we will find and we have to hold tight to that especially in the midst of trials um and um the passage i just want to close the jeremiah section off by talking about that it was false sincerity when they said 
that they will obey. It was a false submission. They never intended. They did it their, their own way anyways. Um, they just wanted Jeremiah to pray to them, pray to God so that they would get God's blessings and not have to listen to him, which is wrong. But what we ought to seek is a sincere submission um, to do whatever he wants. Um, says, whenever you face trials of any kind, James, whenever you face many trials, it's like, okay, well, how can I get through that? By doing whatever he wants. I really don't think there's a day you can go wrong if you're going to live as the Lord's calling you to. And that might be at your job, and that might be a crappy job, but you got to look for the moments, um, the good moments. Maybe you're going to learn a new skill out of it. Maybe there's somebody who needs some love in your workplace or your classroom. Um, you know, know what God's going to use use that difficult situation for. So the sincere submission of doing whatever he wants, whether favorable or unfavorable, is the goal. Um, not to say it, but to mean it. And to ask God to help us with it. I think we also forget that we can ask God at any time for help with something. Like with my, for example, I struggle with joy and letting go of control, as I mentioned. But taking that as an opportunity to be like, okay, well, God, yeah, I struggle with these things. But like, why am I still trying to deal with it alone? Like being honest is an important part of the prayer process. But another important part is to say, God, I need help with this. I can't do this alone. God, I need help with joy. I, I'm trying to be a more joyful person because I think it actually would be good for the kingdom and those around me to see me more joyful from you, get the joy from you, not from arbitrary things of this world because true joy is produced by God. Um, happiness fleeds, is fleeting due to circumstance, but joy is eternal. Joy is a lasting characteristic. doesn't mean you don't have hard, difficult moments, but it's a permanent like character trait that we can develop through the spirit, through our relationship with God. So, but I have to ask for help with that. I can't just merely confess I, I suck at it. I need to say, God, come into my life and show me and help me with this. I can't do this alone. I can't produce joy on my own. I, and it's not enough to just tell God about it. I got to let him and invite him into helping me with it. I need to ask him for his miraculous abilities and power over my life. Because I don't have the power to just be joyful. I can't snap my fingers and do it. That's, maybe you can. Maybe it's something else for you. Maybe you lack self-control and you can't have self-control without God. It's like, we got to let him in, invite him in. Um, lastly, it's kind of crazy, yes, how much this is melding in the James section and the Jeremiah. I was really alarmed by that. But then even when I picked up my, uh, I'm reading a book for fun right now called, um, oh, it's not in front of me, but it's by Neil Anderson. It's something about bondage. Um, okay, I'm going to find it. One sec. I want to make sure you guys know what it is because, oh yeah, it says The Bondage Breaker and it's by Neil Anderson and I would extremely recommend it. I'm not very far through it, but from what I've read so far, I mean, always read with your own discernment um, over everything. Just not your own discernment, but your own discernment that God gives you. So always read with the discernment that God provides you with. And, um, but I would definitely recommend it. I'm enjoying it. I think it's a really great book about overcoming negative thoughts. Um, I study psychology at school, I read a lot about negative thoughts, and it's always from a secular worldview, and it completely lacks the spiritual influence, and I think it's harmful to blame every negative thought we have on, on the person. In the worldview, your depression and your anxiety and all your negative thoughts, they're your thoughts, but from a Christian perspective, 
um, there is absolutely um, the fact that some of our thoughts, I don't, there's no percentage, there's no way to quantify it, but we know for sure that our thoughts also, we have three thoughts, three th- sources. The first source is a thought from God. The second source is, Thorse. The second source is a thought of our own, our own subjective brain thinking, because God's given us free will and a brain to think that is our own. And the third one comes from Satan. And obviously the ones from Satan are not for our good. I'm not saying every negative thoughts from him, but I'm saying we know for sure that some are. And so we ought to protect against that and account for that. And so that's why I like this book is because it shows us how we can use God's word to stand up against um, negative thinking and stuff that's so harmful to us that the world is not helping with. The world is saying, oh, just take this pill. And and um, and once again, it's blaming the person for having those thoughts. But um, we know when Judas betrayed Jesus, Judas Iscariot um, betrayed Jesus and got him crucified. Judas Iscariot, it says, Satan came into his heart. So, once again, it it proves that, like, we can have thoughts that are from the negative one. And that's not to be scared. That's the whole point. The enemy's trying to make you scared. But the point is to acknowledge that it's not our fault that we're having negative thoughts. But what is our fault is how we deal with it, right? Um, Because if... I I like what it says, especially about taking every thought... um, Holding every single thought obedient to Christ, the word of Christ... Um, and that's a great word to live by. That's from the book, but it's also from the Bible. It's scripture. I can't remember which one, but I would absolutely recommend reading that book, The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson, because it is so good for that. But now let me tie it all in for you. Um, as soon as I open the book today, it says, we are to glory in Christ and take no confidence in the flesh. Philippians 3, 3. Um, I like the book uses a lot of scripture because it proves that the book's based on God's word. And that was my goal for the book anyways. Um, Like I said, I read enough secular psychology stuff about negative thinking. I was looking for a Christian perspective. Um, And yeah, so obviously we can see how that ties in with what I've read to you guys today from James and from Jeremiah. We're seeing glory in Christ. Take no confidence in the flesh. Flesh being yourself. Flesh being your fleshly sinful desires um, from the fall um, with Adam and Eve. Everyone has had fleshly desires ever since. We are a product of sin and we have to fight against it as part of human experience. And so take no confidence in the flesh, but glory in Christ. And that's exactly what happened. We just talked about in Jeremiah with um, these people who were so confident in their own plans to go their own way. They made false promises to God because they were trying to just get what they wanted, which was blessings. And then now they just did their own thing regardless of the consequences and put their confidence in their own choices rather than in God's promise to um, have others show compassion, to be with you, deliver. Um, So that was funny, but it also goes back to originally what we were reading in James um, when I was saying um, about myself, about like, I felt like God was telling me to give up, give up knowing what's best and what's right. Um, Expectations the aspect of control, all those things I need to give up and give to him instead. And it's like, I feel like that's exactly what it's saying here. Glory in Christ, give it to him and take no confidence in my own flesh so that my plans, like I've been saying repeatedly, my plans are not better than his. I need to take confidence in that rather than myself. Confidence in him, not me. And so that was crazy to open the book and read that. 
also, um, I felt like God was telling me at this point, start with what I've already given you, which could be a good word for someone else out there. So that's why I'm going to say it. Start with what he's already given you. And so the time, the talents, the treasures, the resources he's already given you, stop asking for more always and look at what you can do with what he's already given you. Um, and that's what I felt like he was telling me. So that's something I want to work on and pray over and, um, work out. But, um, yeah, it also like talks about in James, that part about having pure joy whenever you face trials of any kind, because the testing your faith produces perseverance. That's what he's already given you. The joy that comes from this situation. If you allow yourself to let him in the perseverance that he will give you when you let him in, that's like what he's already given you. So start with that and then, and then grow from there. Um, like face one, like actually that's more my advice than God's advice, but face one thing at a time, deal with the trial and deal with it as best as you possibly can start with what he's already given you and then, um, and let it grow from there. Right. And then, um, don't, don't, t- oh, how do you eat it? <laughs> this is so funny. I had a counselor on some of this. How do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It's actually funny, but it's, it's good. It's like, you need to, with big things, you need to just do what you can with what you already have. And that's why it's like, yeah, when you're facing a trial, um, consider it pure joy for the testing and work with what he's already given you. Um, of course, don't be hesitant to ask for more, but think about what he's already given you that you can use already um, so that we don't take it for granted. The tools, the talents, the treasures, the passions that he's given us. And then lastly, I'll close off on this note. Um, the other scripture I then read after that in the book, um, The Bondage Breaker, was, I pray that the eyes of my heart be enlightened so that I may know more of your oh my gosh i literally can't see it one second okay i pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened so that i may know what is the hope of your calling and that is ephesians 1 18 i'll say it again i pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened so that i may know what is the hope of your calling and that also goes back to what i was talking about with grad school earlier the perseverance that i may know it doesn't say that i may know your will it says that i may know the hope of your will and that gets back to the faith in the trials that james is talking about that goes back to the um the people choosing to go their own way in jeremiah and not have um not be enlightened by what god was showing them we must let our eyes be enlightened god can't do all the well he could do all the work for us but we ought to try and do the work ourselves as well um work alongside of him in a relationship a relationship is two people working together and um we don't have to earn salvation let's be clear about that don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise but um except for god of course if he talked to you but i'm just saying you know what i mean like salvation is not workspace however um it's a relationship and the relationship i'm not talking about salvation here i'm talking about how god's going to give you the faith the perseverance the joy in the middle of the storm the um that when he enlightens your eyes it's like these this is part of the relationship part with god not the salvation part the relationship part and when we go through life alone on our own will when we go our own way bad things happen it doesn't turn out when we neglect where god's trying to lead us it doesn't go well but when we surrender, when we're a servant, like we talked about in James, when we're a servant to God, when we relinquish self-control and we give it all to God and we give blind trust to him and his will for our lives, when we are willing to surrender, whether it is favorable or unfavorable, um, that is when we have a relationship with God that produces fruit that is visible to us, 
visible to others, and it is beneficial for this life and the one to come. A faith that uh, stands a test of many trials, produces perseverance, and um, a relationship is what God wants. God just doesn't, he doesn't just want you to believe in him. He wants to love you. He wants to help you. He wants, he, like he says, to have compassion on you. He's with you, to save you, to deliver you, to shield you from fear. Um, all of these things. So let me pray this over you in God's name. I pray that everyone listening, God, right now, would just have you speak to them today as only you can. That you would make what is hidden and unsearchable known to them. That they would be blessed by your presence. That they would trust you rather than themselves. That whatever trials they're going through, that you would help them with their faith and perseverance in the situation. That you would speak over them um, feelings of hope and trust and peace um, when it comes to considering favorable or unfavorable things in our lives that deliver us away from comfort and force us to rely on you, God, that you would give us a peace of heart that we might trust and rely on you and um, relinquish our own need to control things and trust the Almighty Father who is our comforter, deliverer, stronghold, and Lord over all. God, we trust this all to you. Help us make, be a new creation in you and do a new work in us daily. Um, help grow us into the men and women you want us to be. And show us how we can um, serve you best and your people. And please hear all of our requests when we bring them to you. Please listen and please deliver because we trust everything unto you. And we know that you will. We know that you're faithful. And we know that you hear us and we know how much you love us. But God, we ask that you would always show us these things. Help us never forget these things. And that we would always, always be accountable to loving you. And that you would help us walk through that even when it's hard. And so God, I thank you for everyone listening and for all the works you're doing in their lives and mine as well. And I ask that you would help everyone go safely this week into whatever they're facing in the Lord's name I pray. Amen. So everyone, I hope you had a great week, um, weekend, and I hope that this is a good start to the week for you. Um, and ultimately, I hope that God is with you with whatever you're going through right now and that he would help you give up control um, if that's something you need to, and that you would be helped through your trial and that your faith and perseverance would grow. If you want to check out the website, once again, it's Monday Morning Faith Podcast. Uh, dot weebly.com and i hope to see you guys next time